The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is a show I've really been looking forward to because we really haven't covered good conspiracy theories on the Paracast for a long, long time. I mean, we've done the JFK stuff. I'm going to ask our guest, Don Jeffries, about that for a reason I'll specify in a moment. But last week, it was interesting. I was waiting for a reaction to people when we had Chris O'Brien on and somebody used one of those AI chat applications to find his bio. And we learned he had died 14 years earlier, a year before he first joined the Paracast as the co-host. And I'm thinking here, Tim Swartz, if we look up your bio, when did you die? I'll never die, uh, Gene. Don't you know that? It's like, uh, uh, what are the immortals? Ah, you are the undead. That's right. Every uh, every 60 years or so, I change identity and uh, start over again. So this is the person that Boris Karloff was talking about in the 1934 Universal film, The Black Cat, where he co-starred with Bela Lugosi and said, of course, are we not the undead? In so many words. <laughs> yeah, All right. great job. Are we not the undead? Are we not the undead? <laughs> and then, of course, he was so famous, Boris Karloff, that they just referred to him as Karloff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, Gene, if you use AI to, to look up my identity, if, if I would quite get the mashup that they had with Chris. Now, there are some other Tim Swartzes out there, and that's why I started using my middle initial with my name, because there's at least one of them who is a fairly well-known mathematician. And I'm sure that uh, he just loves when his friends say, you're not that Tim Swartz who writes all that UFO and uh, paranormal. No, no, no. So, yeah, I apologize to him for... Any mix-ups with our names. There are other Gene Steinbergs out there, even in Arizona. And I always think something weird will happen to one of them, or there will be an obituary, and then I'll, my wife will be called and say, well, we're sorry, I guess he's not going to do the radio show anymore. But of course, this being a paranormal show, I might do it from beyond the grave. Our guest, Don Jeffries, has written a number of books, but the one we're going to talk about here from Strawberry Fields that he wrote with Bob Wilson. And you can guess what that's about. A Billy Shears story. The one and only Billy Shears story, as a matter of fact. But, Don, you don't know this, but you and I 
and met up with the same person at one time, and I'll give you the story. 1965 or thereabouts, my friend Marty finds this item in the Village Voice in New York City. I don't know if you're familiar with that paper, Don? Village Voice? Sure, of course. Okay, so we saw this item about a guy who was going to lecture on the JFK assassination, a former member of the New York State Assembly by the name of Mark Lane. Absolutely. Well, I came to know him later, about uh, 12 years after that, because I, I, I was a teenager in, in, uh, in the mid-70s, and uh, I was already, I just discovered the JFK assassination research, and I was thoroughly obsessed with it, and you know, going, that's, that's all I was doing was reading, and then they had this, this group called the Citizens Committee of Inquiry, which Mark Lane had formed with chapters all over the country. And I said, oh, okay, can I be the head of the Falls Church Virginia chapter? Sure. So I ended up getting to meet him and he was, he was a hero to me because he, and I formulated my own politics, which I still cling to uh, in spite of no one else having them anymore. But he was a civil libertarian. That's what I am. There aren't many of us left. I was a card carrying member of the ACLU back when they cared about civil liberty. So, uh, but I got all that from Mark Wayne. I can't say enough good things about him, even though in my conspiracy world, of course, he's he's suspected of be a, being a CIA disinformation expert, as everyone else is. But uh, I thought he was great. Well, we used to think in our forums that maybe one of the people participating was a disinformation agent. Yes, yes. Of course, you know, good conspiracy theory coming along there. Now, I remember we saw Mark Lane do his presentation a couple of hours and everything. I asked a question or two as part of the audience. And then another fellow who was very well known among UFO circles, a guy named Jim Mosley, close friend of mine, I clued him into this and he went to see one of Mark Lane's lectures. And then I don't think it was too many years later when his book Rush to Judgment came out. It was a huge, huge bestseller yes. in the old fashioned yes. sense. This is probably before you met him. Yes, yes. This was a well before that. And I mean, it was one of the first books I read on the assassination, maybe about the third, second or third book that I read about it. But I was just, you know, gravitating to the subject and I didn't know really which books were, were best at that point. But then I found out, you know, that he was clearly the biggest name because he, he, he didn't really get on network TV very much because even then the networks really didn't allow much talk about that or they just pushed the Warren Commission line. But uh, he would be on like some more local shows and he was on radio a lot. And as you mentioned, he was a big time uh, college lecturer back when uh, that used to be colleges used to be more open to uh, dissenting opinions. As I said, he was a very popular figure there. Died in 2016, it says here. Yeah. So when we met up with him, he was 40, almost 50 years old when we met up with him. He was born in 1917, and we encountered him, what, 65, 66, so it was late 40s. So this day and age, you still accept the basis or the premise of his theory that Lee Harvey Oswald may have been framed and others were involved? Yeah, absolutely. I've never deviated from that. And in fact, I'm writing another book about right now. I'm writing a book about uh, with two other people, including Bob Wilson. Again, uh, it's it's basically another relook at the Jim Garrison case, but it's a, a secret. Uh, I can't really talk about it. I have any giveaways, but there's a it's it's based on a friendship I formed with somebody who was connected to the case. And I really can't say more about it, but I'd say, well, let me write about this. And uh, I've written so much about it, but it's uh, at this point, it's kind of redundant. I've, I have a, a bit of a friendship with one of Oswald's daughters. 
you know, I'm immersed in this. It's still my wheelhouse issue. But yeah, absolutely. It's what led me down all the other rabbit holes. I don't I don't think I would have been a conspiracy guy if I'd never uh, read those original JFK assassination books. But absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't I people ask me all the time who killed JFK. I said, look, I, I can only speculate. I don't know. But I think we need to start with the fact that it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. Let's go from there and have a real investigation. In the course of your investigation, did you encounter a person named Fred Lee Chrisman? Sure. He's, he's, a, he's a crossover to the uh, UFO world. He was, uh, he was involved in Mar- the Maury Island incident, which is uh, one of my favorite, you know, golden age incidents of the UFO. And one of the first ones involving the men in black. And uh, sure. Yeah, he, he was a very, and I think later became an extreme right wing radio talk show host to whatever Jim Garrison tried to get uh, him. I had a friend named Floyd Murray whom I knew in Pennsylvania. He lived in Wayne, Pennsylvania, about a half hour from where I lived in that part of the state. And he was investigating Fred Lee Chrisman. Unfortunately, he died some years ago, so I never learned what he had encountered. But of course, as you know, he wrote regular letters to the editor of Amazing Stories, Ray Palmer, someone I did know. And he also was a key figure in the Maury Island Affair, and that's described in the book, The Coming of the Saucers, from Kenneth Arnold and Ray Palmer. Yes, sure. Heavily edited by Ray Palmer. I always wondered, and since you've explored it, why Kenneth Arnold, out of the blue, gets the call from Ray Palmer. Of course, he also wrote an article for the first issue of Fate magazine. Mm-hmm. But why he decided to get involved in Maury Island. Certainly the money Palmer offered him couldn't be worth it. Yeah, it's, a, you know, there's so many, and there's, there really is a lot of crossover. You know, when I was a teenager, the, the, the only other area of interest that rivaled the JFK assassination with me was UFOs. So I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of this lore. I, I ended up kind of getting tired of it a bit because I, uh, I you know, I, of course, like everyone else, thought you know, these were aliens. And, uh, but then I started re- reading the, uh, the writings of John Keel, Jacques Vallée uh-huh. a little bit as well. But John Keel is, you know, he's, and I'm sure you're familiar with him. And, oh, am uh, I familiar with him? I'll tell you the John Keel story in a moment. Don <laughs> Jeffries, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just dollar fifty a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. 
And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like Cal Ripken. It's definitely humbling to know that now people are calling me a hero. Instead of finding the IED with my metal detector, the IED found me first, and that resulted in double above knee amputations. It's hard to describe the feeling of meeting somebody that you've always wanted to be like. There are people now that are looking up to you for their inspiration and to be their role model. Visit saluteheroes.org to learn more. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So another convergence here. It starts with JFK. We talk about Fred Lee Chrisman, and I'm going to ask more about that in a moment before we get to the main book of our discussion with Don Jeffries. Tim Swartz, our co-host, let me tell you here, the John Keel Connection. 1960s, I'm working for Jim Mosley at Saucer News Magazine. You're familiar with that, Don? Sure. Okay. So this guy comes in, he's doing a story for Playboy, John Keel. I don't think the story was ever published. That was the first time we met John Keel. The last time I saw John Keel was probably in the 90s. He was part of this New York Fortean society that yeah. Tim Beckley was involved. And we'd attend these meetings. And, of course, Keel was there and we'd chat. I remember one time, probably 20 years earlier, when I was in New York City, 
with nothing to do, picked up the phone and called John Keel. Obviously, we were friends and hung out at his apartment for a few hours. That was an interesting time. He was one of the more interesting characters I knew. I'm sad we couldn't get him on the Paracast. We tried. We got his number, his latest number from Tim Beckley. This was about 2006 or thereabouts. And in his last few years, Keel became rather the ornery character. So as soon as my original co-host talked to him, his first thing is, how did you get this number? I'm basically giving you the attitude, not the words. And then he hung up on him. And then not long thereafter, we learned that Keel was dead. And we did a special about him. But that's where we last heard from him. Anyway, so we know you're, you've, you've gotten involved there. Now, let's get back to Fred Lee Chrisman again. Okay. Now, he was part of the Garrison investigation, too, correct? Garrison tried to get him. I, don't, I think he was one of the... I have, to, I have to check up on that, actually. I think he was one of those that, you know, because Garrison was uh, being uh, stonewalled that it returned. You had all the governors that were refusing to extradite these witnesses, including Governor Ronald Reagan of California and, ironically, Governor John Collins of Texas, who, of course, was shot along with Kennedy. And they still protected these witnesses. And so I believe he was one of those that wasn't extradited for that. But yeah, Garrison, I, I don't know how significant Fredley Chris was, but he was an interesting character and he did have that connection. I don't think Garrison was looking into the UFO stuff, but he was connected to that uh, for what it's worth. Uh, he's one of the few that has like a direct connection to both of the areas, at least that I'm, it sounds like you're interested too. the two, you know, areas of, uh, it seemed to be not connected, but he, he was definitely in both those uh, areas. Now, one of the people well-known in the early days of the UFO field, Captain Edward Rupelt, who wrote the book, The Report on Unidentified Flying sure. Objects, and was head of Project Blue Book, he referred to Ray Palmer as the Chicago publisher and called the Maury mm-hmm. Island hoax one of the worst hoaxes in history because two airmen mm-hmm. died in a plane crash, and I guess right. blamed Palmer for it. That got to be pretty <laughs> crazy. You heard about that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, you know, Rupert is kind of, um, I don't know, he's almost like the Earl Warren of the UFO world, isn't he? <laughs> the Project Blue Book is uh, kind of like the Warren Report in a way. I'm going to ask you later what you think of the current investigation, because this new guy who's come on the scene, this alleged whistleblower that everybody's talking mm-hmm. about, I don't know if you follow much of that. We have a thread in our forums about whether that is a smoking gun, this new character and his name look at his name here guy named grush okay so there's an article written about him by ralph blumenthal and leslie kane now ralph blumenthal is a new york times reporter retired now who won a pulitzer for the world trade center bombings of 1993 They take this guy who worked with the Pentagon UFO project as being the real deal. But what he's saying is getting wackier and wackier. Have you been following this at all? Uh, Well, a little bit, but I've I've written and talked about how, uh, again, I'm very familiar with the UFO literature. I was was really into it for uh, quite a while. But as you know, anyone who saw a UFO, especially anyone who had a close encounter, was demonized, was was criticized by the media as, as nuts. You know, Dr. Carl Sagan would go on Johnny Carson's uh, Tonight Show and they would ridicule the Brazilian farmers and they talked about how ludicrous it was. Why do they always appear to farmers? And they, they made fun of these people whose lives were often ruined. You know, a lot of times their uh, the wife left them, uh, their families were ostracized from them, they lost their jobs. So these people, you know, paid a price and they didn't get any money out of it. None of them made any money 
as far as I know. But now, about four or five years ago, suddenly uh, you have a whole new take on this from uh, so, so 60 Minutes. Tucker Carlson was reporting on this stuff constantly. Uh, mainstream media was suddenly giving credibility to the same videos that we had seen decades before that nobody seemed to care about or they just made fun of. Now, suddenly it's credible. And they acted like pilots were seeing these things for the first time when they've been seeing for decades. In fact, Kenneth Arnold was the very first one who saw it was a pilot, right? Who invented the term flying saucer. So I, I don't know what's going on. And then you had this incident the other day in Las Vegas, which I haven't looked into that much, but it sounds like something out of a John Keel book with the huge alien, you know, huge forms and stuff. That sounds like one of his strange creatures from time and space. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with the term uh, Project Bluebeam. A lot of people in the conspiracy world think they're they're paving the way for a fake alien invasion. I don't know. I hope not. We've got enough going on as it is, but something is weird when they're we're suddenly giving credibility to something they ridiculed for a very long time. It's the same thing as if suddenly 60 Minutes and everybody, the New York Times and Washington Post suddenly had front page stories about, of course, Leon Harvey Oswald couldn't have killed Kennedy. We don't know who did, but he didn't. I mean, it's along those lines to suddenly be giving credibility to all these people they ridiculed that have seen these uh, things. Back to the Kennedy assassination, then we'll get to another conspiracy that's really interesting. Do you think we'll ever solve it for real or come up with a solution that most people are prepared to accept? This is it. This is the real deal. No, I don't think so, because I think it's meant not to be solved. And again, these things are, I, you know, I, I'm well known in the JFK assassination research community, but I'm not very well liked there <laughs> because I, I, you know, I don't I don't think that on November 22nd, 1963, our leaders got together and decided to kill the president. But before that, they were fine. And after that, they were okay until they killed his brother, maybe, and MLK, maybe. But, you know, besides that, they've been behaving pretty well. You know, they're, they're honest. You can trust them. You know, now, the, you know, these same people love the intelligence agencies that they used to, they thought killed Kennedy. But no, I don't, I don't think, because I don't think there's any answer that will, I don't know that any answer would satisfy me. You know, because I, I, I don't, all I know is that they framed Oswald. He didn't do it. And, you know, studying what I'm doing now, writing the book now, I'm, I'm looking into the New Orleans the New Orleans stuff that my another one of my heroes, Harold Weisberg, who I had the pleasure to meet as well, who, you know, as you know, him and Mark Lane hated each other. He's talking about an ornery guy. Uh, he, I'm sure he had John Keel beat, but um, he wrote Oswald New Orleans, which is a rare book. And so I, I'm looking at that and some other books and doing some research. And I'm looking at that, what I call the ground level plot. And that's what you saw in Oliver Stone's film, JFK. But I, I don't think those are the conspirators. And I believe, like Jim Garrison did, that Lee Harvey Oswald was some kind of an intelligence agent, either FBI, CIA, maybe both. And he was on uh, assignment at the time of the assassination. He'd been told to infiltrate a plot to kill the president. He was actually trying to stop it in some way. And uh, I think that Jack Ruby was an FBI contact. He also had mob connections. David Ferry was a CIA uh, a, a, a agent, big friend of Carlos Marcello and the mafia. Clay Shaw had connections. I mean, just look at it. this guy's connections. incredible. We'll have more of The Ultimate <laughs> Conspiracy with Don, Gene, and Tim. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. 
And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro said repairs following a tanker fire will be completed within two weeks. President Biden's re-election campaign is underway. He held his first major 2024 campaign event at a rally Saturday hosted by union members in Philadelphia. More than two dozen people are reported injured after a Baltimore City bus crashed into a building. Fire officials say the bus collided with two other vehicles before hitting a building near the downtown area. The Justice Department is filing a protective order to stop former President Trump from releasing classified documents. The filing could mean the Justice Department won't try to have Trump blocked from accessing the records he stored in his Mar-a-Lago home. Two new movies with high expectations are underperforming at the box office during the extended Juneteenth weekend. Warner Brothers' The Flash and Pixar's Elemental. Jerry Barmash, USA News. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay heating pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay heating pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Hi, this is James Fox director of the phenomenon and moment of contact you're listening to 
the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We haven't done a good conspiracy theory show on the Paracast for so many years, and Don Jeffries is right smack in the middle of it, of course, talking again about the JFK assassination. I want to ask you one thing before we switch subjects to the main subject of the episode, Don. The rifle. Mark Lane made a big deal about this cheap Italian rifle. The scope was off. There's no way it could have done the deed. But I also read, and I know Nick Pope, whom you've heard of, was one of the people who mentioned it, that they actually did tests with a sample of this rifle, maybe not the original one, obviously, and they were able to more or less duplicate the combination of shots that Oswald allegedly employed. And if that's the case, it doesn't mean he was guilty, but it means the rifle couldn't be fully dismissed as the weapon. Well, I've heard I've heard those claims, too. I, I don't really know where they come from, because as far as I know, every time they've done a recreation, a reconstruction of the assassination, they never have duplicated it. They've never gone up the sixth floor, though they did, you know, when Oliver Stone was filming, they were able to go up there, and, but they never gone and put somebody in a window there, isolated the area, and did the exact same shot. It's always, it's, they try to recreate it, but it's never quite the same as what it would have been. It's always advantageous to the shooters who are always, always alleged, not alleged, but all the top marksmen in the country. These are real sharpshooters, which Oswald, as Mark Lane got Marines to admit that uh, his scores were indicative of a rather poor shot, as they said. There's no evidence he practiced after he left the Marines as well. But what I say all the time, Gene, is what I'm talking about is I said, look, if, you, if, he, had, if he had been in a, in a real courtroom, an honest courtroom, which he probably wouldn't have been, you know, the honest courtrooms were very rare then, they're even rarer now. But if he had been with an honest judge, uh, they couldn't have introduced that weapon into the record. And I've mentioned, you know, many times the two officers who discovered the man like Carcajano on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository were Seymour Weitzman and Eugene Boone. Both of them signed sworn affidavits separately that the weapon they discovered was a German Mauser. Now, that's chain of possession. Whatever the murder weapon was, that's where it enters the legal record. You're a defense attorney for Lee Eyes. Well, you don't have to be Perry Mason to immediately challenge that and say, Your Honor, I, I, I object. This, this uh, evidence is inadmissible. And then you explain why. You produce a sworn affidavit, said it was German, and, and they can say well, they were mistaken. No, that's, that's not legal. You, you have to come up with, okay, where is the chain of possession for the Italian Carcano? Where is that? And you have other people talking about uh, British Enfield found there. There's a weapon brought down from the roof. There's photographs of a police officer carrying a weapon uh, with a scope that the man liquor didn't have. So that's what I go for there. I mean, I, I, I don't, that weapon in particular supposedly had to have shims, had the shims repaired before the, the sharpshooters would even shoot it. They were scared of getting injured. I, I don't even quibble over that anymore because I preferred to say, look, they, they didn't. And if you look what happened to Seymour Weitzman in particular afterwards, and he was one of my favorite witnesses. I tried to track him down. and I, He didn't have kids, but I, I found his nephew. And I talked to him on the phone when I was writing my first nonfiction book, Hidden History. And uh, he just just was shouting at me the entire time. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. That's all he kept doing. The fear was still there, you know, 50 years after the event. And I kept saying, wait, wait a minute. Just let me. So Seymour Weitzman ended up in a mental institution. That's where the House Select Committee on Assassinations found him. Uh, he went nuts literally afterwards. And he was not only the one who co-discovered the rifle, whatever it was. He also uh, saw what was really going on behind the uh, the fence on the grassy knoll. He was one of those encountered fake service agents. He was in the middle of everything. 
And uh, I don't think it's any accident that he wound up in that position. So anyway, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying it. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not impressed with whatever Nick Pope or whatever's talking about. Well, Nick is a conspiracy theory person who finds that most of the conspiracy theories, I guess, aren't correct, except, of course, perhaps for UFOs. Now, <laughs> but I can see with the Warren Commission where, whether solved or not, they would want to solve it however they can, because this way there would be a panic, there would be a concern on the part of the public, at least in their perception, that this can happen again. I'm also concerned here just as much with the Sirhan Sirhan deal. Right. That also has its strange complications, doesn't it, with RFK? Well, sure. I mean, that's and that's that's a little different because uh, nobody. I mean, none of us dispute that Sirhan Sirhan was shooting. He was in the pantry. He was, you know, subdued with the gun in his hand. But uh, again, you have the autopsy report, the tricky autopsy report. <laughs> You know, with uh, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, who they try to get rid of, they try to just, you know, uh, get him out of his job because he refused to budge and said, you know, no, the fatal shot came from behind. Powder burn marks were there. So it was very close, point blank. And uh, no witness put Sirhan Sirhan behind RFK. And uh, no witness placed him closer than like six feet from the front. So you have to explain that. I, I wrote about that in history a while. There was bullet, there were magic bullets all around. I had Paul Schrade on my show a couple of times. He just died last year, 97 years old, sharp as a tack, right up until the time he uh, he passed on. I had one of Sirhan's lawyers on my show. Uh, you know, it's it's as I said. You know, RFK wouldn't have been assassinated if JFK hadn't have been. They're obviously tied together, and but. That's what the problem you get with most people when they hear the word conspiracy theories, which was pretty much born by the 1967 memo from the CIA, CIA memo that was said countering criticism of the Warren Report. And they mentioned Mark Lane and others, and they suggested this is how we smear them. And you can see they're still doing it today, except they branched out into anything else. Basically, when people call me a conspiracy theorist, I, I said, look, they say, you think everything's a conspiracy? And I say, well, yeah, actually I do, because I think we're being ruled by conspirators. I think these are people who... This is the way they do business. They conspire. They 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 get. They're always working against the interests of the people. They don't know any other way. This is you know. This is I don't know. They're like the judges in Jonathan Swift's day. One of the great quotes of the author of Beverly's Travels talked about in the 1700s, where he said the judges were so corrupt in his time that you couldn't bribe them to do the right thing. I think that's the way our leaders are pretty much today. I don't think you can bribe them. I think they're so, you know, addicted to this stuff. So that's why you have, and it's an easy way to smear people, conspiracy theorists. I've told people, read Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups, any of my books, and uh, tell me what my theory is. I, I don't have a theory. I, I come right out and say, I don't know who killed JFK. I know it wasn't that the, the people who didn't investigate it properly did prove inadvertently that it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. But I don't know who did it. I don't know who the second gunman was with Sirhan. I don't know for sure if it was Thay and Eugene and Caesar. I don't know that. But I, I know that what they said happened didn't happen. And I was the first one to look into the death of John F. Kennedy Jr. I conducted the first experiment there, first uh, investigation. And no, I don't think he's still alive. <laughs> but uh, he was assassinated. There's no question about it. And again, people can read read that in Hidden History. And I'll have more in the next volume of Hidden History to be coming out uh Next year, probably. But so I look into all these things. And when people say a theory, okay, was it, is it a, you know, is, is this a theory? You know, when, when you think of anything like um, I, I look into things like uh, that aren't reported mostly. Like I'll say, it was, is it a theory that, uh, for instance, you look at a guy like Joe Scarborough, 
who uh, went from a conservative congressman to uh, you know whatever he is on MSNBC now. He when he was in Congress, he uh, there was a a good looking young blonde girl that wound up dead with a head wound in his office. Nobody investigated. None. I tried to. I was the first one to write about it in history since it happened in uh, two thousand and one. Uh, Michael Moore, for a while, had, in fact, he had a website called Who Killed, uh, Joe Scarborough Killed His Income.com, but he never answered me. And I said, What happened to that? Why did, why did you drop that? You can't write about it. And uh, that's not a theory. He did have a, a, a young woman dead in his office. I, I don't know if, you, if you, your radio station or whatever, if you had a particular office there and a young woman is found dead with a head wound, uh, you know, it, it, the first person they get a question is you. And this was an aide to Scarborough. So that's the kind of thing. That's not a theory. I'm not making that up. And it wasn't investigated. But so that's just one thing. But there's there's plenty. I, I'm not theorizing. I'm just bringing up points. And uh, they challenge authority. And uh, you know, for whatever, you know, the authorities don't want to be challenged. Joe Scarborough, by the way, works with MSNBC. And his morning show is on for like four hours. And he's has pretty good ratings. Really surprise. You know, you think everybody would just watches Fox or CNN. Anyway, we have Don and Tim and Jean. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, Com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account 
gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Okay, so in each one of these cases, it's about somebody who was dead. JFK, dead. RFK, dead. <laughs> this unnamed employee working with Joe Scarborough when he was a member of Congress is dead. Now we're going to talk about someone who may be dead or may not be dead, and we don't know. And let me tell you the the history or my history of learning about this. This goes back to the late 60s. And Jim Mosley clues me into this show. I think it was WPLJFM, where the evening disc jockey is suggesting that, for many reasons, Paul McCartney is dead. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it then. But based on this book from Strawberry Fields, from Bob Wilson and our guest Don Jeffries, a Billy Shears story, based on that, this is something that has so many ramifications, true or not. So where did the rumor or story that Paul McCartney is dead originate, Don? It was quite a coup. We, we got a lot of people. that It was a fun book to write. It was Bob Wilson's idea. I just long for the ride. Uh, we wrote the wraparound text to it, but uh, most of it is interviews with people, celebrities and people that were connected to the music business or Beatles experts. Like, you know, one of the people was the Beatles barber. You know, I mean, how cool is that? The guy that cut the Beatles hair. But one of the guys we uh, interviewed was uh, the person who's generally credited with starting the rumor that Paul's dead. And that's a guy named Fred Labor, who was a student at the University of Michigan in 1969. And he was going to write a review of uh, the Abbey Road album. And he was supposedly, but this is where it gets dicey. And I, I, I guess I'm one of the few questioning it. He says he was listening to the radio and he heard a caller call in and, and talk about Paul being dead. 
So obviously that caller, whoever it was, knew something, and there was, it was something that was in the air already. So it's kind of it's one of those things where not sure where it actually started. He's given credit for it, and he put he put it out there in the public, and that's what really made it go viral. You know, before there was a viral, it went viral uh, on college campuses and so forth. Kind of swept the radio stations and all that, and uh, he's the one that noticed the, most of the clues, and certainly the ones that are. Probably the most ridiculous, like the, you know, who knew at that time what the Welsh symbol of death is? You know, is it really a hand over the head? No, I don't think so. But he said it and he combined it with the other clues. Uh, The walrus is the walrus, the symbol of death. There's no evidence for that. But once he put that out there, combined with all the other stuff, you know, why does Paul have a black rose and the others have red roses? Good questions. And that's why Bob and I both think, uh, you know, we don't think Paul's dead. Spoiler. But we do think that the Beatles must have, and again, I don't want to be sued, so I'm not saying for sure, but I think that the, the, the multitude of clues and the way they were constructed, I believe personally, I think they must have had an idea about them, and, and I, this may have been some kind of a promotional effort on their part, because in 1969, the Beatles, uh, we look back at it now, they were, they were critically very good now in retrospect, but uh, the Beatlemania was long over. The hits, you know, had kind of they weren't they weren't in their peak period anymore. So if they wanted to try to uh, reignite interest in the Beatles, this certainly was a, a godsend because it really worked. The suggestion, therefore, that this all was done by the Beatles themselves. That, that is speculation. That's a theory, you know, not a conspiracy theory. So I, I can't prove it. I, and Bob and I both feel that way, that it just it, it, this kind of has John Lennon's sense of humor written all over it. But I don't know. I don't know for sure. But I think it's hard to believe that, like, for instance, you know, when McCartney did address some of these, in a few occasions he's addressed this serious, well, he actually did kind of laughingly on uh, David Letterman's. But one of the things uh, in the video uh, for Magical Mystery Tour, I think your mother should know, they're all kind of dancing around with these production numbers that John Lennon hated, you know, Paul's granny music. But uh, you you can tell he was uncomfortable. But they're all wearing red roses and Paul has a black rose, which, okay, he must be dead, right? So his explanation was that we ran out of red roses. Well, that's ridiculous because he's, they're, they're walking around with a, a wheelbarrow of red roses and they're throwing them in the air. So that that makes no sense. So why did he say that? And and then in the Abbey Road, the iconic photo of them crossing Abbey Road, where you see the four of them and you know John is dressed as the grave digger and uh, Ringo's supposed to be the mourner, and I mean, I'm sorry, uh, John's the preacher, George is the grave digger, Ringo's the mourner, and of course, Paul's the corpse because he's barefoot, he's not wearing any shoes. Well, they asked him about that, and his explanation was, well, it was so hot, I had to kick off my sandals. Hmm. So you kicked off your sandals to walk across uh, you know, <laughs> an asphalt street with, with bare feet on a hot day? I mean, that so that doesn't make any sense either. So I think that the, these things were out there for a reason, one of the clues they claim on Sergeant Pepper, and certainly look at Sergeant Pepper album cover. Um, you know, as a kid, I, even before I heard about that, I, it had a really kind of funereal look to it. it look, you know, like what something dead about that cover. And then, of course, the the focus of it is the, the funeral funeral wreath, basically arrangement of flowers uh, in the shape of a bass guitar with three strings, not four, at the bottom. So, I don't know. Can that happen? By you would have to ask. Them okay. Why why are there only three strings on that bass? Why what was the point of using a bass guitar and why why did that? So obviously some kind of funeral or floral arrangement. What was this about? I mean, of course it's just a natural uh, speculation. 
that, okay, there's a bass guitar and a funeral arrangement, and it has three strings, so only three Beatles left. I mean, it's natural speculation, but I, but I don't know. You know, I'm just guessing and just looking at the clues, but I, I don't think these are things that just people found and there aren't anything. There are, I think there's definitely something to the clues. Now, the thing I wonder about here is the thing about the shoes. I heard the common story that he had flip-flops and he took them off because it was hot, but it was still hot on the asphalt. Why didn't he bring a proper pair of shoes? The guy was a multimillionaire. Exactly. Exactly. That would have been my question if I, if I was there. Everybody else wore shoes. Why did? What, what, what was the point there, Paul? I mean, I, but and that's the thing. And it, so, of course, you get into um, and and really, what I've said, I think, is the most argument refuting any kind of replacement theory. First of all, if again, as a conspiracy guy, I'm open to secretive things and secret technology. So. If you tell me, well, you know, they had secret clone technology back then, and this was a cloning experiment that worked, I, you know, I'm open to that. Okay, that sounds possible, you know. Uh, but if you tell me that this guy with Billy Shears, William Campbell, um, that he won a, a Paul Lookalike contest, and he looked so much like him, and he was able to, and first of all, why was he in a Paul Lookalike contest, considering the amount of talent he must have had? Because you look what happened post-66, and most of the songs McCartney's remembered for, Hey Jude, you know, Long and Winding Road, all that were written after that. The Sgt. Pepper album was mostly his. So Billy Shears, you'd have to say, was probably more talented than Paul McCartney. If that was the case, why wasn't he in a band? Why was he fronting his own band? So where, where did he come from? Most people don't, you know, they don't think of that. that with the, the, the John Lennon, I still love the early Beatles because I'm a Lennon guy. The early Beatles, Beatlemania, that was all Lennon. Lennon was the undisputed leader of the Beatles. He wrote most of those songs. He sang most of the songs. That that was his era when the Beatles hit. And it's still my favorite music from the Beatles. 66 is almost an interesting demarcation point because right after that, 67, Sgt. Pepper comes out. Sgt. Pepper is the first album to be completely dominated by Paul. It's dominated by him. Yeah, you have the day in the life, which is you know one of Lennon's greater songs, but you still have Paul's middle eight there too. And then you have your Magical Mystery Tour, same thing, dominated by Paul. Even the White Album has a lot of Lennon on it, but it has a lot of Paul too. And uh, Abbey Road again, just dominated by Paul. Now, the one thing Paul. that's about the White Album that's interesting is Paul asserted his multi-instrument capability more there because supposedly temporarily Ringo got. Upset yes. because he didn't feel he was being taken seriously enough. So Paul played the drums in several of those tracks, notably back in the USSR, notably Dear Prudence. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, yeah, there's the joke, you know, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles, you know, they had, which I think was unfair to Ringo. But uh, yeah, so again, so if this is, if it's the real Paul McCartney, as most of us think it was, and he didn't die, then he just really evolved and, John had become a heroin addict and he wasn't able to do what he did before. And Yoko kind of came in and distracted him as well. So you can kind of see Paul fill the void and, and just kind of took over things to, probably to the resentment of the other Beatles because he was kind of a, uh, a strict taskmaster. But if this is correct, that this is a different guy, then you'd have to, you'd have to say, well, okay, Paul McCartney took a backseat to John Lennon during the, 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 the Beatlemania phase. Once he died, his replacement took over the leadership role. And John Lennon let him to, John Lennon just kind of willingly took a backseat to a, a replacement. I, I, I just find that hard to believe. And I, I find it hard to believe they could get, obviously, 
somebody that looked that much like him that played the, you know, that I think the, the claim is that Billy Shears wasn't left-handed, which makes it even more remarkable that he could, you know, flip it upside down and learn how to play like that left-handed, uh, write those kinds of prolific songs, sing the same way. I, you know, again, it's just, I don't say that it's out of most conspiracy theories I'm interested in. I don't, I reject anything out of hand, but I think that's a, a little much to accept. We got more to accept in our next segment with Don, Tim, and Gene. You're in the podcast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I know I've been hogging the mic here, as they say, and Tim's probably got 10,000 questions to ask of you. And I'll obviously throw in one other monkey wrench into this whole deal, and that is... They think this guy who passed the test of being a Paul McCartney lookalike but was a more talented instrumentalist took over when Paul died. What if the other Paul came from another dimension since we're talking about (laughs) UFOs? Well, I don't know. You know, (laughs) then you're entering the realm. Sure, you throw that out there. I mean, everything else has been suggested. It's a fun theory. It really is fun. And again, I would have been open because I'm not a fan of McCartney's solo work at all. 
and neither was Lenin or Harrison, <laughs> by the way. But uh, so if you had said he died, I don't know, in 69 or something, not 66, considering what came after that, and especially the solo career, I, I would say, well, yeah, he really did go down in quality, I think, you know, but that's not the demarcation point. It's 66. And a lot of his uh, great songs were written after that. That's what's hard to accept. But um and certainly, I've, I've pointed out that if the Beatles did engineer this as a promotional stunt, it's not like it was illegal. And so I think if they, if uh, Paul and Ringo confessed to it at this point, I don't know, would fans uh, feel betrayed? I, I, some people might think it was cool. I don't know. But I, the, the mystery was cleared up. And so I don't, I'm not really sure why. And the thing, the rationale behind it makes no sense either, because it's not like rock stars hadn't been dying you know, and plane crash, I mean, Buddy Holly and, and you know, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones died a very suspicious accident. And he was one of the, you know, vied with Mick Jagger for the lead role as the alpha male in the Stones at that time. A lot of people think Mick Jagger and those guys had him off, by the way. But uh, there's, this, there's a strange element behind that. But the Rolling Stones didn't try to find a replacement Brian Jones and nobody else ever thought of that. And that's why I talk a lot about, you know, especially in the entertainment field, you have cases where, starting with Jim Morrison, where people think that somebody faked their death, that they didn't really die. Jim Morrison, uh, you know, all the way to Tupac Shakur. Somebody claiming to be Jim Morrison called Art Bell on Coast to Coast back in the 90s. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Art Bell had a, certainly had an interesting show. But uh, yeah, that's... Of course, you know, there's some sense there. 27 years old, dying of a heart attack. That's pretty young. He did do a lot of drugs. Or even Andy Kaufman, the entertainment world. He was you know, so wacky that it would be something he might do. But at some point, if you fake your death, you think he would, he would reemerge. But McCartney's stands alone. This is the only case I know of where they claimed some celebrity died. And they covered that up and replaced him with someone else. I don't know of any other case of them doing that. Also, he died in the wrong year because he was born in 1942. And when we have the show played on the air, which is going to be June 18th, Paul will be 81 years old. Now, assuming it's the same Paul. The thing here, being born in 1942 means that he was 24 years old in 1966. So if he was going to die the same way that Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix and Brian Jones all died, it would not have happened until 1969. Right, 20 to 27 Club, sure. And, and, and again, that would, that would have opened the minds of people like me because I would have been much more receptive to that theory, as I said, just because I think his music after that point was pretty crappy for the most part. And I'm sorry, I mean, some, some things that were good, I guess, but for my taste, anyhow. I think his lyrical quality went down. I know, of course, he really was highly acclaimed for the theme for Live and Let Die, the James Bond film, the first one with Roger Moore. But the lyrics of that song were dreadful. Yeah, he he never was much of a lyricist, I don't think. But I I just have a hard time believing that, you know, uh, the guy that wrote Penny Lane and and, and Long Long Winding Roads, again, that would have been, I guess, Billy Shears could write silly love songs and let him in and, you know, coming up. I mean, I, I just, I just hated all that stuff. I said, God, I can't, I can't believe that's uh, and the other Beatles did too. I mean, that John Lennon wrote, how do you sleep? You know, kind of poking fun at that. And George Harrison's right there playing guitar, smiling. 
when he's playing it. And, uh, you know, Harrison notably said, I'd, I'd be in a band with John Lennon again in a minute, but I would not be in another band with Paul McCartney. Yeah. So I think that whoever it was, McCartney or Billy Shears, they had, Lennon and Harrison especially, Ringo has just got along with everybody, but I think Lennon and Harrison both thought, hey, you know, we're at a different level musically. This guy's in his granny mute, whatever he's doing. It's not what we're doing. And I, I think they kind of looked down on him. Well, let's, let's take this story back to the beginning, all right? What supposedly happened? Paul McCartney died in 1966 some way. Yeah. Take, it, take it from there. What, uh, uh, and and um, musically, when would this have been? What, what, what would have been their previous album just before he allegedly died? Okay, and so, and so it was November 9th, 1966. Uh, supposedly a car wreck. The legend goes that he stormed out of the studio, which... I think that's the first indication. That almost sounds like the new Paul. You know, I don't think there was any indication that there was turmoil with the Beatles in the studio yet. That came in the later years with Paul. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, that's kind of an odd, but that's the way the story goes. And uh, supposedly there was a woman involved. Lots of people speculate. You know, they're, they're one of the legends is her name was Rita, and that's why the song "Lovely Rita" was written about later. But of course, Paul or whoever said no. You know, she was a she was a meter maid that gave me a ticket. I just thought I'd write a song about her. So who knows? But that's that's the the theory. And of course, one of the legends is that he was decapitated, which we also saw in the Jane Mansfield car crash, which that wasn't true. Uh, it was kind of a morbid uh, detail that was added to it. But that that's the story is that that he was killed in the car wreck, and the other Beatles and the management, uh, uh, you know, Capitol Records again. With this, is, they never did it for anybody else, but they were supposedly so mortified. How will the Beatles fans react? And so they made up this legend, and they never toured again. Now, that's one point you can say, that they did not tour after this supposedly happened. And that's one of the main pieces of evidence the people that believe Paul is dead use, that, you know, they never toured again because they didn't want to have the fake Paul out there. But, you know, the fake Paul has been on his own many times. And I don't think anybody looked on the stage and said, you know, you're not McCartney. So he certainly looked enough like him to, to pass the test. So, I, But that's, that's basically what they claim happened. And he also performed some Beatles songs in his own yes. concerts. Now, today, Paul McCartney's voice is really shot. It's really rough because he's been screaming like Little Richard for 70 years or so. So yeah. we can see where that happened. That would make sense, his voice deteriorating. Ringo is the same. I think Ringo is really some kind of robotic AI creature <laughs> because he never changes. You see him on stage. And they've got the current all-star band has just some fabulous people there. You know, if you look at the makeup of the all-star band, people like Colin Hay of Men at Work and Edgar yeah. Winter and Steve Lukather, who was one of the best session musicians in the world. That's the guy from Toto. You have all these yeah. people and he gets up there and it's Ringo. He may be 82 years old or something like that, but... It looks like he's 55 or something. That would be something, yeah. an AI. I would think if there's an AI involved there or some kind of clone, Ringo is the guy. Well, he, yeah, Ringo seems to be in remarkable shape. Uh, we saw my, uh, well, we saw my, my friend, I saw McCartney uh, around 2009 uh, at RFK Stadium in D.C. And uh, we saw him for free because for some reason he couldn't sell out and the grocery stores were giving away free tickets. So my wife got a dozen free tickets. So we saw McCartney for free. So and it was it was it was a really good concert. He, he stayed away from his 
I think his worst uh, solo material. And he played a lot of Beatles songs and unbelievable energy, you know, for his age. So whoever it was, uh, him or Billy Shears put on a good show. And then we saw Ringo uh, with his all-star band. And the guys you mentioned, he didn't have Edgar Winter, but he did have the guy from Toto and the guy from Men at Work um, a couple years ago. Pretty good, but Ringo uh, and maybe a tip of that, it was age because I'd never seen anybody do that. He took a break. He sang a few songs and then he, he ran off stage and said, I'll be back. And then all the other guys did their stuff and he was gone a full half an hour at least. And then he came back on and did a few more. So, uh, but you know, it was just so great. You know, I, I, I'd seen George Harrison when I was young and I never got to see Lennon, my favorite Beatle because he never toured in my area. And uh, so one of my regrets, but uh, so seeing three out of four Beatles isn't bad. Hey, we've got Don and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores, building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into like an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost some of my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together. Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. 
There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We'll continue to trace this theory about Paul is dead in a moment. I came within one day of talking to John Lennon, interviewing him. This is when they were doing the bed in in Canada with Yoko. Yeah, sure. Sure. Where they do the song, Give Peace a Chance. Yeah. And I get the note. I'm working at a radio station, Vermont, Springfield, Vermont. And my friend UPI gets this thing he feeds on the wire that Lennon is in Canada. So I call the hotel. Ah, I'll get an interview with John Lennon. Let me make it stab at it. What the heck? He left the day before. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> the only time we came close, of course, is that when my wife was going for her rehearsals, because she's a singer and she was doing stuff, we would always pass Dakota Apartments mm-hmm. in Upper Manhattan. That was it. Going back to the theory, okay, He's killed in a car crash, whatever. Where did they dig up this guy? Where is the Paul McCartney lookalike contest? <laughs> when did this happen? I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really even know that there's any evidence there was a Paul McCartney lookalike contest. I, I, I really can't find any stories about it, but I don't know if that would have generated a story. I, I don't know if those things usually do, but that's the, the legend. But it's also convoluted because... There's also, you can find videos online of uh, supposedly finding this guy, William Campbell, of approaching him at his house. And, and, you know, so that makes no sense because if he's taking the place of Paul McCartney, who's this guy? So it gets convoluted. And, and really, the, the only, the most solid piece of evidence they have, and I apologize for getting exactly, for getting exactly but it's, it revolves around um, Paul's arrest in Japan for marijuana possession. And supposedly they took his fingerprints, I think. I believe it was his fingerprints uh, there. And uh, they had supposedly independent investigators investigating these claims, and they claimed it wasn't his fingerprints. I, th- I apologize if it's not that. You know, I read a lot of books, and it's in the book, though. But, you know, I found, okay, well, you know, and there's, a, you know, someone suggested the last interview I did about this, they made a, you know, really plausible suggestion. I probably should have thought about it myself to include in the book. But simplest way around this is to do a DNA test. McCarty's brother is alive still, his real brother. So just do a DNA test. 
And uh, that would, you know, shut the rumors up. And of course, if you don't, I don't know that anybody suggested that to him and he refused to or something. But if you do that and you refuse, then, then it does look like you kind of play into the hands of the, uh, the conspiracy theorists in this case. Where did the name Billy Shears come up in the first place? Well, Billy Shears, the name is on, you know, the Sgt. Pepper's album. You know, let me introduce the one and only Billy Shears, and uh, it's supposed to be Ringo. So I don't know if that's why they chose that name. He's, the guy's name is supposedly William Campbell, also known as Billy Shears. He's generally referred to as Fall or Fake Paul, hmm. you know, in, in that world. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a – and you run, into, you run into people that are – I mean, they're really – positive about this and you're stupid if you don't see it and you know it's okay whatever you get you know, other man nobody nobody can say i poo poo conspiracies and i i just say you got to explain the rationale behind it why would they have done it and you got to explain having a guy that's that similar to somebody and you know if you if you accept the conventional view of mccartney and said i'm i'm you know i don't admire him quite as much but i gotta admit the guy wrote some great songs and he's incredibly prolific right and to find another guy like that that can do it that was hiding in the shadows, wasn't fronting his own band. I just think it's a little, a little much to believe. In well, the course okay. of your book there, you interview lots of people in show business about this. And one of particular interest to me was the late Richard Belzer. Now, we'll all remember Richard Belzer for playing this character, Detective Munch, on like half a dozen different TV series by yeah. different producers. Most recently, yeah. of course, Law & Order, SVU. That was really, really interesting. But he was also a conspiracy theorist who wrote some books on this subject. So what did Richard Belzer have to say? Well, I don't think Richard Belzer bought this, but uh, Richard Belzer had my same publisher. I'm good friends with uh, his co-writer, David Wayne, who came from the same kind of background I did, the JFK assassination forums back in the day. But yeah, Belzer, they wrote a book called Hit List, and uh, they were very active in the uh, Who Killed uh, Princess Diana and uh, things like that, Marilyn Monroe, a lot of cases like that. And uh, certainly he was he was in my world and a very unusual guy, you know, for Hollywood, because Hollywood, uh, at least the people that, you know, they kind of, again, they're, they're afraid to speak out on a lot of this. You have Randy Quaid types. But I, I wrote a book uh, before this. Uh, my last book was called On Barred Fame, Money, Mysteries, and Corruption in the Entertainment World. You probably love that because I have a lot of these things. And I, I investigated John Lennon's death. I think, you know, again, I think that was a conspiracy. Meryl Moreau's death, John Belushi, and, uh, you know, lots of the, these, uh, Natalie Wood. I've, I've had Lana Wood, uh, her sister on my show a couple times, very nice woman, who was an actress and a James Bond girl herself that, you know, firmly believes that we were lied to about that, that Natalie didn't die by accident. So there are people out there that believe this. And um, the entertainment world is, uh, I'm fascinated by it because, it's the only other world besides politics where you see these huge body counts. You see, only in politics or the entertainment world, like does somebody's ex-girlfriend get stabbed 40 times or something and be found in hedges as Graham Nash's ex-girlfriend did once. That doesn't happen. The general worlds of business, you know, construction workers or file clerks, it just doesn't. But uh, there's a lot of crossover there. So uh, that world interests me a lot. And I, uh, I didn't address the Paul is Dead rumors in that book, but that has a lot of good uh, mysteries in it. Now, the one thing I think about there in terms of that wives and girlfriends, one of William Shatner's many wives drowned under yes, what may be suspicious circumstances. So before we get back to Paul McCartney, did Bill do it? 
Well, it, it was a very strange death, and I, I, I talked about it in Unborrowed Fame, and uh, well, Jerry Lee Lewis did him one better. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, two of his wives died strangely, and one of them, you know, I, you know, he, I think he, he, he was found at the home where she was murdered, and uh, I don't know. I think if he hadn't been Jerry Lee Lewis, he would have been, he would have been brought in right away. I think for questioning, but you literally can get away, I guess, with murder in some of these cases. But yeah, that that William Shatner's, and I'm trying, I get his wife and Jerry Lee Lewis's wife mixed up. Shatner's was on, I think, that died in a bathtub, I think, and Jerry Lee Lewis was found nude at the bottom of a pool or something. But there's, you know, there's so many of these things that happen out there. And uh, I've even come to, I would love to get a hold of Randy Quaid. He's impossible to find, but I think there's something to his Star Whackers theory, you know, because uh, I look at some of the deaths of these guys and uh, there's no rhyme or reason for them. When you mentioned Randy Quaid, that's Dennis Quaid's brother. Yes. Randy Quaid did a great turn as this UFO abductee in Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah, he's per- and he's per- that would be perfect for him. He's uh, clearly a conspiracy type guy, and, and but you, you know you don't know a lot of times whether these guys are acting too, because if you watch his videos and he's a great actor. Could still be acting. I don't know. You know, this and that's there's a scripted element to all this too, and I play around with that as well. Is how much of this stuff is uh, is uh, is theatrics and stage. You know, for it's it's just I, I write about controversial subjects on purpose. This Beatles book is probably my least controversial book by far. We got to break it. <laughs> the least controversial book with Don, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA News Update. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro says he can state with confidence that I-95 will reopen within the next two weeks. A stretch of the interstate has been shut since last weekend when a bridge collapsed as a result of a tanker truck fire. More than a dozen people are reported injured after a Baltimore City bus crashed into an apartment building. A total of 17 people were hurt, but none of the injuries being reported are life-threatening. An Arizona man was killed in what is being called an exceedingly rare bear attack. The 66 
56-year-old man was sitting in a chair on his property when the adult male black bear attacked him and dragged him about 75 yards. A neighbor shot and killed the bear. A majority of black Americans believe racism will get worse during their lifetime. The new poll by the Washington Post and Ipsos also found that almost 70% say it's now more dangerous to be a black teenager in the U.S. than when they were teens. Jerry Barmash, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Don Jeffries here, who has covered lots of conspiracies, and he's co-author of From Strawberry Fields, co-authored with Bob Wilson, a Billy Shears story. And we'd asked him, of course, about Richard Belzer. By the way, there was one great episode of Law & Order SVU where his uncle was played by Jerry Lewis, (laughs) and Jerry Lewis played this crazy old man who is there or not there and accidentally kills people every so often. <laughs> Do you remember this episode, Don? No, no, I, I, I didn't watch it, sorry. Mariska Hargitay, the daughter of Jane Mansfield, yeah, is yeah. the main star and producer and director of Law & Order SVU. That ties into the conspiracies. Hmm. Very cool. All right, so we have talked about Richard Belzer. You talked about so many people in show business and ask about it, do these people even take it seriously or do they look at you and say, who's this crazy guy? My connections in show business, and you know, I'm, not, I'm just saying, on board fame, explored the nature of fame. And uh, most of these people are, they were big at one time. 
But, you know, like I talked to somebody from the Cows Hills, somebody from uh, Love and Spoonful. Uh, you know, people like that, that uh, uh, Richie Furry, who was at Buffalo Springfield and Southern Hillman Furry Band, Poco, a very nice guy. You know, this is one of my buddies, Susan Olson, Cindy Brady, the Brady Bunch, who is in my world. You know, she wrote a blurb for my last book uh, about COVID. And she, you know, she's a real conspiracy gal. You know, she's a girl, girl after my own heart. Uh, so we've become really friends. And, uh, you know, Sally Kirkland is another one who was, uh, we, I got to know her through uh, JFK because she plays Rose Jeremy for opening scene at JFK, where she's trying to warn about the JFK assassination. Really cool person. She's got so many contacts and we hit it off as well there. And uh, so just these are just people that kind of like I, I can call and they usually answer me. Not all the time. And so I, I had I had these people that I thought would be perfect for this. And nobody, well, a couple people turned me down. They weren't interested. You know, I can't believe you don't know about the Beatles. But most of them just wanted to talk about, they kind of put themselves in it. But they also talked about, because of course, everybody, you know. I haven't met anybody who said, yeah, I hated the Beatles. I never liked them. You know, I was a teenager at the time and I thought they were overrated. They all love the Beatles. And the book is, you know, just kind of recounting that. And uh, I won't give any more spoilers as to whether or not they buy the uh, Apollo's Dead thing, but they all were fans of the Beatles. Interesting how popular they are. There is a full-time channel on Sirius XM satellite radio, channel 18, the Beatles. And they still have a show there called Breakfast with the Beatles. And you oh, see lots of stars coming on there who love the Beatles through the years, I, like the Bangles, especially. Yes. Yeah. Of course. I the, think they're, I'm you know, be on maybe what, 10 years Beatles. younger than the Beatles were. They're in their 60s now and they're still performing yes. mostly. Yeah. I believe I would, uh, Bob and I, or maybe just me, are going to be on Breakfast with the Beatles. That's what I heard from the great. Because we also, Bob is good friends with Ivor Davis, who's a longtime. British journalist living in America now, and he, you know, he toured with the Beatles during their 1964 tour. He stayed in the same hotels with them. He experienced Beatlemania like nobody else, and he was also just a, as added attraction to me. He was in the Ambassador Hotel the night RFK was shot too. He's been everywhere. Really, really great guy and uh, very sharp. And I think he's hopefully going to make that happen for us. We'd be on that show. Well, since being close to things, I'll give you one more before we go on. A week before the burglary at the Watergate. I spent the night there because my late mm-hmm. uncle was a former official with the Department of Agriculture. And after he retired, he became a consultant and made lots of money. And of course, during the 70s, we stayed at his condo at the Watergate. And then when Nixon resigned, the day he resigned, my first wife, Geneva, and I were driving right near Washington, D.C. See, we caused it. Mm-hmm. We caused it all to happen. <laughs> I can't top your stories. I did go to a party at the Watergate in uh, 70, 1979, 1980. And I was, I'd never been to a place where they had a grand piano in the, you know, in the living room and people were entertaining. I don't even know what it was for. It was uh, through my mother-in-law who had a big job back then. That's the closest I came to it. Hey, let's look now at the clues in Beatles songs. Now, supposedly here, after McCartney died, allegedly... If you listen carefully to Beatles songs or play them backwards or whatever the heck is involved, yeah. you may find clues that were left there for no earthly reason that I can think of, but maybe you can tell me what it is, <laughs> were left there to indicate something is weird about Paul. Yeah. Well, the most notorious probably was uh, on Strawberry Fields. Supposedly, if you play it backwards, it's uh, John says, I buried Paul. 
John explained that and said, no, I'm saying cranberry sauce. And if you, you know, if you listen to it, I know, it kind of sounds like either one, you know, who knows, but I don't. There's a section there at the end of the song where it's actually slows down. And the yeah. guy instead of he speaks very slowly, uh, and yeah. they think he said I buried Paul yeah. when he yeah. really yeah. said cranberry sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or so it could it's, be, or it could be cream cheese bagel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't place a lot of credence in the you know the, the backward masking and all that stuff too. But and some people do in my world. That is one that, and you know, I I think I tried to play my records backwards then, and I couldn't figure out. I was afraid afraid of ruining them as well because I took a lot of pride in my record collection. Well, you you know, know, disc jockeys in those days to cue up a song, we we spin the record backwards to get to the first tone. So a lot of Mm -hmm. times, the records at radio stations, the first few seconds were very scratchy. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah. So it's. that part of it, I, again, I don't know. I, I mean, and one of the clues that isn't mentioned much, I, I, I heard lots of things like, you know, John Lennon's uh, Come Together. That uh, What is he talking about? Come together over me? I mean, is he singing in Paul's voice that, you know, people are coming together because he's the corpse? I, I, you know, there, so people can, you can read so many things into it. And, uh, and of course, Lennon had fun with it because Lennon uh, alluded to it twice, you know, on the, on the White Album. He's, well, he's, I have quotes from him and Harrison both in the book that, uh, where he's really, you know, kind of angrily saying, how can people be so stupid to believe this, you know? But, you know, in uh, Glass Onion, you know, he notably says, here's another clue for you all, the Walrus was Paul. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in his How Do You Sleep song, where he's attacking him, he said, those freaks was right when they said you was dead. So he addressed it when he wanted to. I don't know. It's 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 a, uh, there's a lot there, more than I can remember. There's the this sleeve that uh, Paul is nonsensically wearing, uh, I, guess, I think on... I don't know if it's inner, it's a inside of Sergeant Pepper's or Magical Mystery Tour, but he's wearing a a jacket with uh, OPD, the initials OPD on it on the uh, the sleeve, and uh, I think it was Labor came out. That means officially pronounced dead, which is the way they say it in in uh, Great Britain or Canada or something. It's like, well, who, who knows that? I mean, you, I guess you know if you're a college kid, oh, okay, I guess how they say it over there, and uh, but of course the. The real thing supposedly was in its Ontario Police Department. But why is Paul, uh, a British guy, marketing to greatly to America? Why is he wearing a Canadian jacket with the Ontario Police Department to begin with? There's nothing in that album that really relates to Canada. So that is the questions I ask. You know, okay, I can accept that. Yeah, that doesn't mean officially pronounced dead. But why is he wearing something from the Ontario Police Department? What's the purpose of that? And don't forget John Lennon once saw a UFO. Sure. Yeah, he was really into that. Yeah, and uh, he mentioned UFOs in his uh, solo music several times. And and Lennon, I you know I talked to uh, or I communicated with Paul Craster, who was a big figure in New York. Uh, you know, very leftist politics. Uh, he wrote uh, for he uh, was with May Brussel, who you might have heard of, the conspiracy guru. Like I, I God, I wish she was around. I would uh, I think I would have hit it off with her very well, <laughs> but. Uh, she was really uh, out there back then before the internet and her show was very popular still on YouTube. You can get a lot of them. And Krasner was associated with, I think it was the realist was the name of the uh, publication that uh, they wrote for. But uh, and of yes. course, Krasner was, uh, and Krasner was out there to such an extent. And I, you know, this really seems gross, but I almost had to admire him for coming up with something so ridiculous, but you know, he's the one that 
uh, kind of like a Paul is dead clue. He made up, he supposedly, he, and he published the theory that, uh, that the LPJ <laughs> attempted to have sex with JFK's throat wound. We've got Don and Gene <laughs> and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. I know I need to pay attention to my health, but I just can't seem to find the time. Between rushing to work and taking care of the kids, there's not much time left over for me. So I decided to start small by eating more fruits and vegetables and being more active. 
and then I got the family to make some changes too. We started by keeping a bowl of fresh fruit on the counter, and I limit the amount of sweet snacks I keep in the house. I've also found some creative ways to add more vegetables to our meals. We're taking more walks, and on the weekends we head down to the pool at the rec center. It doesn't happen every day, but it does happen. You don't have to change your entire life to be healthier. Just make some simple changes and include your family. You'll see how easy and fun it can be. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard, and when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I remember Krasner from my days in the 60s. Mm-hmm. All these counterculture kind of publications. Like, remember High Times? Oh, yeah, certainly. Uh-huh. And my first wife, Geneva, was one of the associate editors of High Times. And you didn't have to be high to have that, by the way, to be part of that magazine. I don't think. I don't know if she wasn't the kind of person who would routinely get high, although we all did what we could do in those days. But we once hooked up with this psychiatrist from Brooklyn, New York, who was an associate of Timothy Leary. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you're going to talk about conspiracies, there's a line in the Moody Blues song, Timothy Leary is dead. Right. No, no, he's on the outside looking in. I'm just approximating that here. So there's another theory to go with there. Yeah, I mean, and Timothy Leary is, um, I've angered some people, but it is what it is. Timothy Leary admitted that he was CIA. Uh, and that's just out there. So does Gloria Steinem. Gloria Steinem was out of the CIA as well. And I, in my Hidden History book, I talked about how they've, uh, how the intelligence agencies infiltrated both the left and the right, the KKK, the Black Panthers, and all that. And, uh, I mean, uh, Gloria Steinem's magazine, Ms., one of the early feminist uh, organs, was uh, financed by Cord Meyer and the CIA. Cord Meyer's wife, of course, Mary Meyer, was died, was murdered in Washington, D.C. Many people think she was the mistress of John F. Kennedy, and she was actually studying the Kennedy assassination. So these things are, you know, when you get into this world, the dominoes start falling, you know, because there's so many connections to each other. But yeah, Leary was, a, and Leary was also connected to... Uh, one of the books that influenced me the most as a writer, my novel, The Unreals, is the first thing I had published. And it was very greatly influenced by the Illuminatus trilogy that was mm. written by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea, very popular in the 70s. Uh, and um, they really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And later, he wrote a bunch of things about the Illuminati. It's the first time I heard about the Illuminati, the people that run the world. And uh, he wrote Cosmic Trigger, Final Secret of the Illuminati, and all, all these things about Illuminati. And all the books, he talked so much about Timothy Leary because he was a good friend of Timothy Leary's. Of course, so it may be suspect about him because of the fact that, that Timothy Leary was a CIA. And also, he was also good friends with a guy named Kerry Thornley. You want to go into the minutiae of the JFK assassination, Thornley was a, a Marine comrade of uh, Oswald's who was... Uh, Let's just say all of Oswald's other fellow Marines uh, had like a page or less of testimony in the Warren Commission, Warren Report. Thornley's went on for pages and pages and pages. He's the one that said they called him Private Oswald of this. He's the one that painted the picture of Oswald reading the Daily Worker and the Marines and all these things. And all you need to know about Thornley is he was writing a book about Lee Harvey Oswald 
before the Kennedy assassination. Thornley went on to uh, become a really odd guy and uh, with a lot of strange uh, connections. And uh, I'll have more about that, you know, in the next book. But um, Thornley was very influential. When I was reading Illuminatis, I did not realize that a lot of the weird things they were saying, they kept talking about this philosophy of Discordianism. Well, it comes to come to find out that Carrie Thornley was the one who made up this nonsensical stuff, you know, like one, it just these crazy things that didn't make any sense. But so he was friends with Thornley. They were friends with Thornley and uh, Timothy Leary. So it made me wonder about them. And that's what happens when you scratch it. You wonder about so many people in, in my world, because there are these kind of crazy connections. That I know I strayed far from the Paul is dead thing, but that's kind of what I do. I tend to ramble. Well, you know, we have so many conspiracies to look at, and sometimes they are interrelated, just like we got John Lennon involved in the UFO mystery, for example, because he had seen UFOs. And, of course, the most famous instance being when he was in the nude with the girlfriend supplied by Yoko May Pang. Yes. And they saw a UFO in New York City. And nobody seems to care about that. But we all remember no. the lyric and the song and everything. So that was certainly interesting. All these worlds intersecting, you know, like yeah. the Shaver mystery, UFOs, the Kennedy assassination. They do. And, and you, can, you can go deeper. And I, I play around with that all the time. I don't know what it means sometimes, but it, it plays into the concept of a kind of a Truman Show element. And I play with that theory a lot because you I'll just give you an example like uh and 9-11, which, of course, I've written a lot about as well. Uh, one of the witnesses they just happened to go to on the street, you know, they went to a few witnesses on the street, and I think they were selected for a reason. But one of them was a, a woman named, and I can always forget her name, Rachel, uh, Rachel something. But anyhow, she, she just looked like she was sailing the street. They just, you know, oh, my God, it's terrible and everything. Uh, about uh, when Tiger Woods had that... Uh, scandal with all the women coming out of the woodworks and and some of those women became kind of minor they had their 15 minutes of fame as well and one of them was that same girl rachel now is it possible that she just happened to be the one they interviewed on 9-11 and then she just happened to be the one that was one of his uh mistresses but those, i see those kinds of things all the time that you know they don't seem to be related but why are these people popping up like that and uh, i've written a lot about that stuff in my and it does it drives you way down to the bottom of the rabbit hole but that's where i am at the bottom of the rabbit hole okay bottom of rabbit hole another story several weeks before the 9-11 incident the wife and i and our son grayson go to the world trade center been there before and the last part of the building is a tower and you go up there by an elevator now i've been up there before and i'm not great with heights but i tolerated that in the Empire State Building and Statue of Liberty and everything. This time, I got to the level below that where the elevator was, and there was a little coffee shop there. I could not get on their elevator. I was scared. I was practically shaking. I couldn't stand it. So my wife and my son went up there for a while, came back down. I couldn't wait to get out of that building. In fact, when we first entered the building, to show you what was going on, I dropped my camera. Okay. And it damaged it enough so we couldn't use it there. It was repaired later. It wasn't serious damage, but couldn't take pictures. Remember, this is, this is the day of cameras using real film, not, right. of course, the digital camera and everybody having a camera in their smartphones these days. 
I never had an experience like that before or after. A few weeks mm-hmm. before, sensing dread beyond yeah. beyond my ability to cope entering sure, that sure. building. Well, just, uh, just I don't know if you want to go there, but I, just a couple of things uh, on that. I mean, again, I, I wrote a lot about this in uh, Hidden History. And the next volume of Hidden History, which is kind of becoming a series for me, they seem to sell better than my other books. So I'm just going to keep writing them because <laughs> uh, I enjoy it anyhow. But um, one of the guys I interviewed was a guy named Scott Forbes, who uh, worked in the World Trade Center. And uh, he wasn't there that day because his group was off, so none of them died. But uh, he was clearly so fearful. And this was like, I probably talked to him in 2012, 13, something like that. So over a decade afterwards, the fear was still palpable in his voice, just like it was in Seymour Weitzman's uh, nephew's voice. The people that I talked to, they were still scared. And uh, he had moved to England. And uh, he, he talked about how, uh, and again, these guys, you got to realize when these people, when you talk to these witnesses, that's what impresses me. They're not like Don Jeffries. They haven't been down this rabbit hole since they were a teenager. I mean, I've been awake since I was a teenager talking about conspiracies and everything, you know. All, so if, if you, I'm probably not credible on a lot of things just because, oh, he thinks everything's a conspiracy. But these are sober people that are not in my world at all. This guy was a businessman and he thought he was a patriot. And so he tried to go to uh, first the, the New York uh, Port Authority, I think it was, and the FBI, and then later the uh, 9-11 Commission. And he thought he had relevant information, which he did. He said, you know, in the, the weeks, leading, the couple weeks leading up to the uh, the event, um, we saw stuff we never saw before. He had these strange work crews coming in. We weren't really sure what they were doing. Uh, there were the security cameras weren't working. Uh, this we'd never seen. I had been there for many years, and I'd never seen this. And I thought it might be relevant. So uh, nobody wanted his information. New York Port Authority uh, didn't want his information, FBI, 9-11 Commission, and the 9-11 Commission, like the Warren Commission would do, they just wrote up, even though this guy, again, knew better than anybody, he was there. He, they said something like, there were rumors that the construction and all this stuff going on, but uh, they were unfounded. So that's the kind of stuff that makes you, you know, you make you wonder. And, and one other story that goes really down the rabbit hole. Uh, and I, I made a lot of this. And no, no, most other researchers, and I, I guess that's why I have the people that are interested in me that do, because I talk about this, nobody else does. But uh, one of these human interest stories they tried, they tried to make so many human interest stories out of 9-11, obviously, great tragedy and a lot of human pathos there, right? So one of the things they stressed, there were two women that uh, victims, and they always flew together. And the media reported this, you know, they said they always flew, they always took their trips together, never flown separately before. That day, they were unable to get a seat on the same plane. They died in two of the three planes or whatever. The problem is, the same people that told us that told us that all of those airliners were at like 20, 30% capacity. So there's no way they wouldn't have been able to get a seat next to each other. So those are the things I ask those questions. Nobody else does. And so, I don't know. Sorry to go off on a tangent again, but I, I thought that was interesting. More interesting stuff to deal with with Don, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. 
They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In alien artifacts and credible evidence of exotic material from UFO encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, we can't say with all the voices he does that Tim Swartz is a clone. (laughs) (laughs) We can't say he's from the multiverse. (laughs) But I think, wouldn't it be easier to find somebody from the multiverse rather than find some random guy in the street to become the new Paul McCartney? Sure, you'd want you'd want to get to that. That would be an explanation too. You know, they claim that we're all all of us are in these different universes. So yeah, you'd, you'd get a, a McCartney, but then you run the risk of you know he's going to be completely different. He might be an evil McCartney or whatever. But uh, so maybe that's why they uh, <laughs> opted to do this. Well, I mean, remember also he became more bossy, so his personality yes. asserted itself. Negative parts yeah. of his personality, and the thing too is that if he was the comparable person in another dimension, you'd be able to take his DNA and it'd be the same, wouldn't it? Right, right. That's true. And so, but I, I, I don't know why anybody, nobody has tried to, has made the suggestion about the DNA because I mean, he's, 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 he's got his brother alive. So uh, I, that would be, I would su- I suggest they should do that. But you know, that they blocked that on a lot of things, you know, they don't seem to want to just on real historical mysteries. There's something like this. I, I don't, I don't know why they would cover it up. Cause again, I don't see any, cause the, the Paul McCartney, we talked about Mark Lane earlier. This is a crossover to JFK assassination. When I, uh, the first time I met Mark Lane, he was getting a phone call. Um, he got a phone call. I was stuffing envelopes in his office and he um, got a friend call from Hollywood from Freddie Prince. And I talked all about this in, in history. If I had not been at his office that day, Freddie Prince at that time was the most popular young comedian in America, starring on Chico and the Man. And, you know, I, if I had been there that day, I would not have been able to, to, to connect his death a month later. He killed himself a month later, supposedly, uh, to the Kennedy assassination. Well, Mark Lane said 
Freddie Prince has been calling me constantly. He's obsessed with the JFK assassination. He wants to put a telethon out there. Was all, I, I was sitting there big-eyed saying, wow, really, that's really cool. And then he dies the next month later. But Lane also told us about, and I hadn't read his uh, Citizen's Descent, his second book yet, where he talks about it. But apparently, the Beatles, John Lennon I know was, but McCartney was really interested in the JFK assassination. In fact, he wrote music for Mark Lane's film, A Rush to Judgment. And uh, they ended up not using it. But McCartney, and I don't know what happened to McCarthy's interest in it. I, there's no, I could find no statements on the record in, when Oliver Stone's movie came out in 91. But apparently, that would have been, I think, the real McCartney at that point. So did Billy Shears not have any interest in it? Because, well, you know, why? I always found that strange, knowing that McCartney was really interested enough to write a soundtrack to a film and to talk to Mark Lay on the phone to look him up. Why wouldn't he have been interested in talking to Oliver Stone or, uh, uh, you know, giving his impressions of that film? But I haven't been able to find his impressions of JFK if they're out there on the record. If you talk to Oliver Stone today, what does he say about that? Well, I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm friends with his son, John Stone. is a very nice guy. I've been on his show. He's been on my show. And, but getting to Oliver is really hard. Oliver, just like Richard Belzer, has the same publisher I have, primary publisher. He has my books because they send... They send the, you know, all the books out to these big guys and hope they can get a blurb. He's never written a blurb for me. A lot of people have, but he hasn't. He knows who I am, but I, uh, he's, he's hard to get a hold of, and uh, I would love to ask him that. I don't know if he'd, he'd answer. He might not know that McCartney was – maybe that's why he didn't look him up. McCartney didn't look him up. But uh, certainly, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that, that McCartney – because McCartney, again, wasn't political like John Lennon was. So I, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if it was Lennon. And Paul Krasner did tell me that, that, that Lennon, yeah, Lennon was very interested in the JFK assassination. But for whatever reason, McCartney's the one that contacted Mark Lane. I just, I, I just find it odd that after all these years, the remaining Beatles, you know, there's just two of them, just continue to dance around the subject. Yeah. Um, and it, at this point... You know, it's just like, why not just say, oh, yeah, you know, we were just having fun. Yeah. And, you know, uh, now, you know, early on, you know, even, you know, into maybe the you know early 80s, I could see why maybe they'd want still want to maybe, you know, oh, no, we, we weren't doing anything like that. But now, you know, what difference does it make? Exactly. Well, that's what I said before. I, I don't think it's a crime. I don't think they could charge him with any kind of crime. No, no. So, so yeah, why why would they? Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's it's something that uh, if, we, if we had contact with the Beatles, we would ask him. But I think that, again, they would just uh, – but it, it's that world. I talked about the CIA's memo, the conspiracy theories. They, they can easily demonize somebody. And, unfortunately, the Paul is dead people are lumped into the JFK assassination. You know, the people – it's, it's – they're all lumped in together, so it's Elvis is alive or whatever. Anything, and that's the way to, to shut down any kind of questioning, even if it might be, you know, insignificant, you know, comparatively speaking to some of the other things we're talking about. But you're right. I mean, that's that. I don't understand that reaction. And of course, one of the other clues that uh, I, well, I talked about in the book, because I mean, I tried to present the other side too in my in the introduction I wrote and uh, the closing uh, thing too as well, but. Uh, McCartney's second wife, Heather Mills, who was you know, quite a you know quite a firecracker in many ways, <laughs> and took a lot took a lot of money from him. But uh, mm. as he somehow, whether it was Paul or Fall, uh, 
very unwisely didn't have a prenup agreement. But um, she left some very interesting quotes out on the record. I, I have them in the book where, uh, where she, she alludes to something like that, where she's basically saying she's holding a deep, dark secret. She knows something. And uh, she's kind of throwing it out there. Like, hey, I covered this up for him. And, and a lot of people, especially that believe Paul is dead, they're thinking, well, I mean, she certainly can take it that way. Now, it could be something else, but if it's something else, what, you know, what other things McCartney have, you know, big skeleton in his closet or something? I don't know, but that, that's what most people think she must have been talking about. So I, I would like to talk to her about it, but she's, I don't know. She, I'm, I'm not sure I trust her about anything, but those, those comments are what they are, but they're in the book. Well, that's what makes me think that if the whole Paul is dead thing wasn't actually what was going on, that this real thing, whatever it is that they're covering up, is completely different and completely earth-shaking, earth-shattering, you know, whatever. And, you know, whatever that could be, you know, who knows? Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, we can only speculate about <laughs> what it could be. But, I mean, McCartney is uh, probably... Uh, of all the Beatles has led the, the cleanest life, I would think, kind of. I mean, he had the arrest for marijuana in Japan, uh, and he had that, you know, disastrous second marriage with Heather Mills, but that was just him making a, you know, an unwise move that a lot of rich older guys have made, I guess, with young girls. And, uh, you know, Ringo, I guess, has been pretty, but Ringo had a big drinking problem for a while, too. So I, it would be kind of out of character. I don't know, would, you know, Paul was married... Uh, relatively young age to Linda and uh, you know, it, it's out there in the record. Supposedly they never spent a, a night apart in all their years of marriage, which I don't think you can say that about most married couples. So he was inc incredibly devoted to her. I guess he sowed enough wild oats for uh, all of us, uh, you know, <laughs> when he was a beetle and maybe he didn't need that anymore, but uh, he seemed to honestly love her. And uh, so I, I don't know, I can't find too much scandalous behavior out there about him unless we just didn't know him. But uh so I, I don't know what else you can logically think she was. She was, uh, but she may have just been trolling too, throwing that out there to yeah. say, "Yeah, here's something for you guys." You know. Yes, the question I have here, which is kind of raised, is he became quite controlling in what we would call the second half of the Beatle career in 1966 and beyond, and he just didn't seem to be one of the guys before then. And we could say, well, because John Lennon kind of ceded that territory. Yeah. getting involved in drugs and not being quite as interested yeah. in pursuing the music, although he came out with a number of brilliant songs. So that's the line of demarcation, where McCartney becomes more dominant, where yeah. his fellow Beatles find themselves having disputes with him, more so against George Harrison. George yeah. Harrison was like his little brother, and then later on wouldn't want to play with him. Even when they got to gather back in the 90s to re-record yeah. this old John Lennon tune on a cassette. I don't think they got together quite as well as before. We've got more to come with Tim, Don, and Gene. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492. 800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Tim Swartz from another dimension. There are many Tim Swartz out there. Which one is Billions, this? billions, and billions. <laughs> you have to emphasize it. Billions. <laughs> you know, interesting thing about Carl Sagan, Don. Supposedly, in private, he really accepted UFO reality. Yeah. But publicly, he didn't because it would impact his career. Yeah, I, I I only saw what he did publicly, and I that's why I never. I, I know a lot of people liked him. I, I'm sorry, no interest in his books because he was he was denying a phenomenon that clearly had happened to you know thousands, if not millions, of people around the world. And I just I couldn't respect. And Johnny Carson, you know, I have a, you know Johnny Carson also again crossover to JFK assassination. You know, he treated uh, Jim Garrison like he treated no other guest in the history of Tonight Show when he came on the show. I mean, it was outrageous, you know, tried to grab the, the photos of the, the tramps from him. And uh, you can see the scene in the, uh, you know, the full, uh, the uncut uh, JFK, Oliver Stone's JFK. It's, it's great uh, to show exactly what was going on. But uh, Johnny just laughed along with Carl Sagan, you know, and just said, yeah, let's make fun of the Brazilian farmers. I, I just, yeah, he, as a teenager, the, <laughs> that really incensed me when he would go on there. Because, again, he had the platform and. People like John Keel or people like who John Keel did later. I'm sure, you know, he uh, David Letterman must have been a fan because David Letterman had him on a show once, which I was shocked. I said, wow, he, he knows about John Keel. Besides that, generally speaking, people like that didn't have those kind of platforms. John Keel was known mostly for the Mothman Prophecies movie. Yes, he made yeah. more money from that than anything else he did. Enough money to buy a new car, not like a fancy car, maybe a Toyota or something. And yeah. he used up the money before he died because it wasn't a lot. It wasn't an endless amount of money. But still, yeah. that's an interesting yeah. story. You know, of course, let me drop in the other crazy theory with the Paulus dead thing. It really was John. The time that John <laughs> changed and became less of a leader in the Beatles, yeah, he yeah. is the clone. He was the clone. Unfortunately, he was knocked off. Okay, I'm just making this up, folks. He was knocked off because the truth would be revealed otherwise. Well, if you if you look at pictures, and that's why you know you get people that analyze pictures. Certainly, they do that in the JFK assassination quite a bit. And I, I always usually shy away from that because unless the picture is really crystal clear, none of these pictures are. You see in shadows, and you know you see what you want to see. It's like a, a Rorschach test or something. But in the case of Lennon, if you look at I think he changed the most physically of any of the Beatles. I think, you know, by the time, certainly by the time, he just, he looked a lot different. I mean, McCartney's looks have stayed very similar to me, remarkably, even though he changed to fall. In fact, I think you could argue that McCartney's looks changed the least. Oh, Ringo maybe, but Ringo actually kind of looked better as he got older, but McCartney looks the same, I think. And the thing about Lennon also is when you listen to his later music, his voice was not as rich. It seemed thinner. Now, it could be just the wear and tear on his vocal cords. Who knows? Sure. And Lennon was, you know, you know, again, it's all opinion. It's obviously, it's opinion. But I think that Lennon, yeah, I used to write songs when I was young, too. I was, I was trying to write everything and try to be a half-ass uh, Bob Dylan or whatever, writing protest songs. But that's the first thing I tried to do. But um, I always thought Lennon, like, if I could ever sell my songs to people, if I could have anybody sing 
my song, it would be John. I think John Lennon had the greatest voice I've ever heard. And uh, especially in the early Beatles, if you look at, uh, if you listen to Twist and Shout, and I've had Jude Kessler, who wrote the foreword uh, to our book, Bob and I's book from Strawberry Fields to Abbey Roads, Billy Shears' story. Uh, Jude is probably the foremost uh, John Lennon expert in the world. And her and I get along really well because both of us badmouth McCartney and love Lennon. And, uh, but she talked about, I did a show uh, on, I, I used to have an old entertainment show, a Don and Ella show, where uh, we used to talk to entertainment, people from the entertainment world like that. And she went over, and only Beatles fans want to do it. We had a two-part show, two parts, analyzing the first Beatles album. Every track, and she went into like everything, what they were drinking and eating and everything that was said. And Lennon's vocal on Twist and Shout, I think it may be the greatest vocal in the history of rock music because it's the only example I know of. Actually, well, please, uh, please, Mr. Postman as well, where uh, both times the Beatles remade black songs. And most of the time, the remakes of black songs end up like Pat Boone. You know, it's just they're not <laughs> as good. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the, the Twist and Shout version Lennon had just destroyed uh, the Isley Brothers, whoever the original version was. And uh, same thing with Police Mr. Postman. The Marvelettes did a good job, but he had a and, – and according to Jude, he, he uh, had such a bad sore throat that he was spitting up blood when he sang Twist and Shout, which made it even worse because of the – but, I mean, remarkable – job on that Lennon could do and if you lead some of this like this boy the middle of this boy where he, the stuff he did with his song his voice I never heard anybody else do that so I yeah, I, I love the guy but you're right by the time he was a solo he was doing uh, something completely different his voice I mean he was the same guy but it wasn't he wasn't I guess attempting to uh, stretch it as much as he had but um, you can tell I'm, I'm a Lennon fan <laughs> so <laughs> Well, there were a number of songs, yes, that he did that were interesting. But also, I gathered with Lennon, he didn't like the sound of his voice. And he was always asking people no. in the studio to double his voice, to do silly things with yeah. it. Yeah. Lennon was, Lennon was weird. Lennon was, you know, like a lot of people, I guess a lot of us are that way. We're, we're, we're not the best judge of our own work. And Lennon was an awful judge of his own work. You know, he didn't understand, and I've said all the time, is that, you know, Paul is considered the pop smith. But Lennon, again, was the main guy, main songwriter for those early songs, which were very poppy, kind of unique. You know, they created the British Invasion sound, the jangling guitars. They made Stratocaster, you know, a, a, a name in the industry. And But Lennon rejected that. He didn't like most of those songs. He hated that sound. He hated the Beatles. And even later in some of his songs, like uh, one of his songs in, in the middle period that I, I love, And Your Bird Can Sing, I think it's a great song, uh, under underrated song. Lennon hated it. He said, oh, that's a throwaway song. Like he didn't, and he, he did that with a lot of his music. And I, I don't know why that was for sure, where you can listen to McCartney. McCartney, of course, has a bigger ego, way bigger ego. And uh, he, so he, he doesn't diss too many of his own songs. But um, Lennon would do that. And he, he would just, he, he had a critical, and I can appreciate that. I'm a real critical person, but like Lennon, I can turn my critical eye on myself. Lennon could do that. Now, I don't think McCartney could, but Lennon, Lennon could look, yeah, that was, that was stupid. It was, you know, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote that, but you're right. He didn't have, uh, I, I don't really know if he, to me, you know, something like uh, She Loves You, Please Please Me, or something like that, which was their first hit. I think, I think that holds up way better than Come Together. You know, for me, but I'm sure he loved to come together a lot more. <laughs> he didn't love the money he had to pay to Chuck Berry. 
for stealing exactly and it, exactly and he, he pretty much stole that so he shouldn't have loved it but that was the music he was going to he was trying to sound heavy and uh i i don't know i guess i guess i just didn't like that music as much anyhow but the guy just a just an iconic voice like that and it was perfect for those pop melodies which he had a real obviously knack for writing and he for whatever reason he just turned his back on it we got more to come our guest is Don Jeffries, Tim Swartz, I'm Gene Steinberg. More about conspiracies, but back to Beatles conspiracies right now. There's an endless number of conspiracies. You're in the Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. news update. I'm looking forward to this campaign. I want you to know why. Because you've got a story to tell. We've got a story to tell. We've got a record to run on. President Biden in Philadelphia for his first major 2024 campaign event hosted by union members. He said he's proud to be the most pro-union president in American history and that he's looking forward to running for re-election. Pennsylvania is once again seen as a key swing state in the upcoming election after being won by Biden by one point in 2020. I'm Chris Caraccio. Turning now to sports, Brittany Griner back in the news. Here's USA's Jerry Barmash. The Phoenix Mercury and Brittany Griner will be allowed to take charter flights for the rest of the season. She was harassed last week while waiting for a flight at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. The six-time All-WNBA player spent 10 months in a Russian prison in 2022 on drug-related charges before being released in a prisoner exchange last December. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. This is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Back in the mid to late 70s, Lennon was doing a guest DJ spot for one of the FM progressive rock radio stations in New York. And he's really good at it. Kind of sad that he didn't do it again. And he tells the story of this rock and roll music album he did where he does all the old rock songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the producer was Phil Spector. And yeah. he said, to paraphrase, he didn't realize that Spector was a pretty crazy person, as we later <laughs> learned later. <laughs> yeah. And he became very paranoid, Spector, about the tapes and Lennon had to go through this whole process to get the master recording tape so he could release the album. Yeah, I mean, and that was this been really interesting. Because Spectre's another guy. I mean, God, I just love the guy. I, for the record, I, I think it's questionable whether he killed that uh, woman. And, and the fact he was actually convicted, that doesn't happen very often to celebrities. I'm not sure what happened there, but um, just kind of going off thing. But, I, you know, I love the wall of sound and all that. And Lennon and Spectre should have been a... A match made in heaven, but you know sometimes it works. They tried it with the Ramones too. By the way, we have uh, a couple people connected to the Ramones uh, in the book. We have Vera Ramone, who's a widow of Dee Dee Ramone, and we have uh, Dee Dee Ramone's brother as well. So uh, lots of interesting people offering their uh, perspectives on this. Spectre, of course, was an influencer of a lot of producers. Brian Wilson was very influenced by it. Sonny Bono yeah. was very influenced by Phil Spectre. Richard Perry, if you remember, Richard Perry did some songs with Carly Simon. Yeah, I mean, Spectre was, I mean, you, you, unfortunately, that's the way it is. And again, writing on Bard Fame, I really studied celebrities, uh, talked to a bunch of them. Again, these are people that were, were big at one time. But, you know, the, the, the subject of fame fascinates me because, uh, you know, I, I've, I've called fame, I've just come, I'll come up with a working definition of fame. It's just, you know, you're famous if... Any appreciable amount of people know who you are that you don't know. You know, if you have some kind of, if people that you have no connection to have knowledge of you, you're famous in a way. So all of us have our own degrees of fame. You know, there are lots of people that know who we are. But to be in that rarefied air, you know, something like that, it's, um, it's got to, and I think that's why when they, if they lose their 15 minutes of fame. And that, that may be the <laughs> the ultimate irony that a guy like Andy Warhol, who is the, was the perfect example of somebody being famous for really nothing. We don't know what he's famous for. But he invent, you know he said the 15 minutes of fame thing. And boy, that is just, that has been true. But the people that I talked to for that book that were in 
groups like the Trogs and the Buckinghams and so lots of records, you know, back in the day or uh, foundations, people that run TV shows that were um, Petticoat Junction, you know, back in the day, you know, they're obviously 60 years later now, people like me who are, you know, I'm, I'm immersed in that kind of pop culture for some reason. I can't get it out of my head and it's just a part of me. Yeah, but most people have forgotten them. I mean, one of, my, one of my best friends in life has become John Barber, who was 90 years old. I just talked to him before the show. I said I had to get off for the interview. He's, he's, uh, he was the producer and co-host of uh, Real People, which was the number one show on television from like 1979 to 1981. Uh, but a lot of people forgotten the show, let alone him. And he came into my world because he was, he was a JFK assassination guy. He was the only person that Jim Garrison gave an interview to after the Clay Shaw trial. So he fascinates me and we just hit it off. And, uh, but it's the ultimate example. This guy was Frank Sinatra's writer for a while and stuff. And when he wrote his memoir, Your Mother's Not a Virgin, which he asked me to write the forward to. And, uh, you know, I was shocked. And I, I, it, but that's, that's what happens. You can be a big shot in Hollywood and then, uh, you know, you're consorting with the likes of me, you know, decades later. So fame is a strange uh, a strange uh, thing. And I, that's, I, I really enjoyed writing that book because of that. So of course I'm drawn to things like this as well, because the Beatles, I think the Beatles personally, you talk about fame. I think that John Paul, George and Ringo are the most famous, famous people of all time. I don't think anybody's ever been more famous than the Beatles. You may disagree, but that's, that's my view. You know what I notice here, of course, is um, in terms of lots of groups, they become brand names and the originators of the band no longer there. But if you look, for example, at the personnel making up The Temptations. Right. Okay. Now, The Temptations still perform. Yep. But except for Otis Williams, I don't think any of the other members are still there. You look at David Ruffin, who sang the yep. lead for My Girl, and Eddie Kendricks, yep. and all these other people. I'm looking right. at the list at Wikipedia, and it's like 25 people. Yeah, <laughs> we're members yeah. of <laughs> yeah. the Temptations, but yep. the original quartet, you know, they're long gone one way or the other. It's just yeah. Otis Williams. You find that, and certainly the Beatles, I, the Beatles, you know, obviously they stayed, the, the, if, if you believe Paul stayed alive, but somebody, but, uh, you know, John Paul George Arango was the Beatles. I don't know that you could have had, and maybe that's what the idea was to replace them. We can't have a replacement era. Uh, but you know, the Rolling Stones, I mean, and, until um, Charlie Watts died last year, I think, they were all still alive, except for Brian Jones, who I think was murdered. But um, the rest of those guys, they've, it's remarkable. They're still touring. You talk about it, remarkable. But you, when you look at the bands, and again, I talked to a lot of these people in these bands, uh, most, a lot of them were the last surviving members of whatever group it was. Uh, you know, a bunch of the Cowsills are dead. Three of the Monkees are dead. You know, but almost all the Rolling Stones are alive. Very unusual. Most of those bands and the black groups, especially, I think it was easier to replace them because especially like the backup singers, they just, you know, they were kind of dancing around. They weren't, they weren't playing instruments. So, um, you know, there's been the joke for a long time, the coasters and the platters and groups like that, that they, and they've come up with many fakes that were caught impersonating them because most of the public don't know who, don't know who they were. And they're certainly not going to maybe know what they look like, you know, 50 years, 60 years after they were famous. Well, certainly it's taking the name of the group and becoming a brand name. Another group, funny, never changed personnel was the Monkees. And the Monkees is such yeah. an interesting story because 
every one of them was actually talented in terms of singing, and they all could play instruments, but maybe not the ones they played on TV. Right. So, for example, there's this scene in, they do the video for Pleasant Valley Sunday, and Davy Jones is playing bass on that. In real life, he could play bass, mm-hmm. and drums, as a matter of fact. Mickey Dolenz played the drums with the band, but that was a creative decision because he actually played guitar. And the instruments Mike Nesmith and Peter Tork played were what they played naturally. But we didn't know then the secret about a lot of these rock stars of the 60s is they would do the vocals. But even if they had a working band, they could play instruments. In the studio, it was the wrecking crew. Wrecking crew, right? I wrote a lot about that in the book, too. And a lot of those people resented it. Gary Lewis was... I loved Gary Lewis and the Playboys. But he... uh, I have some quotes from him in the book. You know, he just he really resented saying we were all musicians. We could play the, the songs. And uh, but, you know, they trotted Glenn Campbell out there and people like that. And they just uh, uh, the female bassist, uh, was it Sandra Kay or something. I can't remember. That was they, they had it's this, Ka- it's Carol drum. Kay. Carol Kay. Carol Kay yeah. By the Carol way, Kay, Carol yeah. Kay has instructional videos online. She's still around in her 80s. Instructional mm-hmm. videos online if you want to learn how to play bass like she does. You want to learn how to play that chord for these boots are made for walking. Yeah. Right. All these. And you see her do it. You see where she takes a normal bass line and she plays around with it. And it's magic. And that makes the song. These various instruments, all the effects they create. Brian Wilson had, of course, a working band. The Beach Boys. But when they went into the studio. Yep. Wrecking Crew. I think Carl Wilson played. Otherwise, it was the Wrecking Crew. Glenn yeah. Campbell. Well, sure, people like that. Sure. Well, I think most of those bands had, uh, in the Monkees, you had Mike and Peter that were, were you're pretty pro, pretty proficient musicians. Davey and Mike, Mickey, you know, they played, but not as much. And, and, and the Beach Boys, I think, you know, Dennis Wilson played the drums because somebody had to. And uh, I don't think anybody thought he was that great. And uh, Al Jardine, I guess, you know, nice... Uh, rhythm guitar player and uh but yeah carl wilson could really play he was a lead guitarist and mike love was you know i don't know if mike love played any instruments or not the uh you know great singer for most of their songs more to come music paul mccartney beatles beach boys everything with don gene and tim you're in the pentecost listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
Radio? Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. <clears throat> okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream to the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection diabetes or cancer the tea is also organic and naturally caffeine free a one pound package of tea is 49.95 which includes shipping to order please visit shopsupertea.com the first word is shop spelled s-h-o-p then the word super and then the word tea the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 monday through saturday 9 a.m to 5 p.m california time that's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Since we will never in the next 25 years run out of things to talk about with Don Jeffries, he will be back <laughs> for the After the Paracast premium <laughs> podcast for Paracast plus subscribers. We were mentioning briefly the Wrecking Crew, like Hal Blaine. If you look at Hal Blaine. Yes. Created that style for the first like, Tijuana <laughs> Brass recording. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the Tijuana Brass was the Wrecking Crew mm-hmm. and Herb Alpert. Of course, Herb Alpert, when he went out on the road, they hired people to go out on the road with him. In terms of the Beach Boys, as you mentioned, Carl Wilson was a really good instrumentalist. Even now, Electric Light Orchestra. Mm-hmm. You got the one guy, Jeff Lynn, mm-hmm. and this fellow Tandy is the keyboard artist. He still does it. 
but everybody else is different. In fact, on one of the new albums from ELO, Jeff Lynne plays all the instruments. Even the strings, I don't know how he does that, but yeah, he plays all the instruments. He's like Paul McCartney, he plays everything. Yeah, I mean, it's a, and it's, um, it's great. We're talking, you guys are talking about things in my way. And I, I combine, that's why John Barber and I are such good friends. I love the entertainment world and I love the conspiracy world, especially the JFK assassination. So uh, there's a great crossover there so we can talk about all that stuff. But this is great. Being, I'm just kind of bouncing back and forth amongst uh, all kinds of topics. And I think, you know, I searched and I couldn't, I wanted to find something to add in the book that there was uh, somebody in the industry, maybe, that you think that maybe some rebel rock and roller or something would have said, yeah, of course, Paul's dead. I know he is, but I couldn't find any indication of it. So if it's out there, I don't know where it is, but I, I thought maybe I'd find somebody that, you know, maybe was was you know, was in the Yardbirds for a year or something, you know, that you know, said, no, we all knew it in the industry, but I couldn't find anything about it. Maybe Mick Jagger and Keith Richards know, because... Even though people perceived the Stones and the Beatles were rivals, and they were to some degree professionally, personally, they were friends. Sure. The, well, the, the Stones, uh, they had their first hit, uh, the, the Lennon McCartney game, I Want to Be Your Man. And I think they never forgot that. Yeah, you know, they, I and, heard a story about that where they had the song partly completed, Lennon and McCartney, and they hook up with Keith and Mick. And then... For some reason, they decide to give them the song. They have to finish it. Ten minutes later, they have a finished song. So Keith and Mick say, you know, we should be writing our own songs. And this gave yeah. them the impetus. The thing, of course, is they've written some great songs. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's, there's, it's especially, I mean, you know, what made Lennon and Cardi unique is that they're the only songwriting pair I know of where, you know, you go back to Rodgers and Hammerstein and all that, uh, where... There was generally a lyricist and a composer. That wasn't the case with Lennon and McCartney. A lot of times they did eyeball to eyeball, as John described it. Uh, but uh, more often than not, whoever sang the lead wrote most or all the song. It was their song. But they had an agreement to put both their names on it. I, I think in the case of uh, Jagger and Richard, I don't. Mick Jagger, I guess, plays a half-ass guitar. But I don't think he's any kind of musician. So I think he's the lyricist and, and Richard writes all the, the music. That's pretty much what it is, yes. Like the song, Give Me Shelter. Where, yeah, I mean, where Keith developed these incredible guitar licks. In fact, I understand on the actual recording, he did three guitar parts on mm -hmm. it. The major three guitar parts were Keith Richards and Jagger wrote the lyrics. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. And she died very recently, Cynthia mm -hmm. Weil. And she was a lyricist, and Barry Mann wrote the yeah. melodies. But then Cynthia Weil wrote with lots of other people, too. Yeah, and I guess Carol King was somebody that, that maybe the only one there, I guess, that did words and music both. But you know, most of the time, the, the, the Brill building and stuff, they, they had that. But I, I wonder why, I think, you know, really Keith Richards is he, there's a lot, so many jokes about him. You know, we, what do we, we have to make the world safe for Keith Richards when we die, you know, that kind of thing, that he's still alive. And going strong, but he he's really underrated. You look at all the iconic guitar riffs and melodies that he came up with, and I, I compare him to. And I love Brian Wilson. I mean, I love the Beach Boys, but as far as I know, Mike Love wrote most or all the lyrics to those songs. I think now maybe you know more than I do, but he doesn't get any. And that's why I think to this day, I think he's a little bitter about that because everybody talks about the genius of Brian Wilson. It's true, but. You compare him to the Rolling Stones, nobody talks about all the genius of Keith Richards. And they talk about the Stones, it's Jagger and Richard. But it's never Love and Wilson. 
I don't know. Maybe you know more about that than I do, but I, I, I think of uh, that Mike Love probably feels a little slighted by that. He didn't write all the lyrics. He had some other lyricists, but you're right. But you look at the credits of the various Beach Boys songs, you'll see Wilson and somebody else. Neil Diamond yeah. writes both the songs and yeah. lyrics with Neil Sedaka. It's Neil Sedaka, Howard Greenfield, I think, was his main musician. So Neil plays the melodies and Greenfield writes the lyrics. And, of course, Selton John is another example where he can come up yeah. with a melody like that, but he right. needed somebody else to write lyrics. For Bernie Taupin, sure. Sure. And that's and and so, I mean, I, I'm not trying to slight Brian Wilson at all, but I think that I, when I read about Mike Love, he has uh, and I think he's got a point because if you're going to credit the other lyricists, then why do you you know not credit them? Because I, I think, you know, especially the early songs where, uh, you know, you're listening to something like California Girls. I mean, it's obviously an incredible song, but the lyrics are really catchy. You know, so if, if, if Love made those lyrics up, I, he should get some kind of credit for that. I, you know, I get around. I mean, those those are those are all things that we even the surfing usa you know it's kind of a iconic uh, thing i mean if it was called something else it probably you know might not be as good but uh, just one of my things I, I tend to look for that stuff all the time people tell me that my, my name of my show my podcast is i protest my sub stack is i protest i'm always protesting something so here i'm even protesting on behalf of mike love and who probably does couldn't care less but I, that's what i'm doing well the point being here is that some terrific songs were written there and Brian was the producer and the instrumentalist. And if he didn't write all the lyrics, well, that's not a problem. Okay, here we go. Good vibrations. Brian Wilson and Mike Love. That's the official credit. There's no joke about it. That is the official credit. So, yeah, Mike Love got credit. I'm looking at the line right now. So, yes, Mike Love did a lot of really good stuff, except that Brian Wilson was such a powerful talent because he was the producer, he was the arranger. Right. Right. He did all this stuff and helped create the sound. Mike Love was a lyricist and a singer, did great harmonies. But there is resentment there. I mean, the Beach Boys originally split up after a while when Brian Wilson went off the deep end. They got back together later on, but I read that Mike Love fired Brian Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you read that, that book... Uh I read uh, Wilson's book when it came out, probably the 90s, the one where he wrote with Eugene Landy, the guy that kind of controlled him. And, uh, you know, who knows? I just, you know, it's nice that Love gets credit on the on the labels. I don't think he's hurting financially, but I just think when people in the industry talk about songwriting teams, it's Lennon, McCartney, Jagger, Richard, but it's never Wilson and Love. It's always Brian Wilson. So I, I just think if I was Mike Love, I'd probably be ticked off about it. But uh, no question Wilson was a... One of a kind talent. I, I love him to pieces, and uh, he's you know he obviously made the Beach Boys. And again, I've gone on to a discussion of the Beach Boys. We're supposed to be talking about the Beatles. Maybe we'll talk about that after the Paracast a little bit. But right now, let me ask you, Don Jeffries, tell our listeners where they can find more information about what you do. I'm shadow banned on social media. I'm on Twitter at Don Jeffries. You can follow me there. I notice I got a lot of followers today for some reason, but typically they'll unfollow you. They'll just people tell me, I followed you like eight times, but try me there. Facebook, I have my maximum amount. I don't even bother with if I post anything controversial, they just it doesn't go out anywhere. Substack is the place to go, last free speech platform, donaldjeffries.substack.com. It's I protest. That's the only place my where my presence is growing there. I have my eighth book was just published about uh, probably my most controversial one now yet. Uh, I, I probably don't even want to, because I don't, I don't want to go into that because it didn't fit with the rest of the 
It's uh, masking the truth how COVID-19 destroyed civil liberties and shut down the world. Needless to say, even for me, that's a controversial thing. DonaldJeffries.media is the subset, is the uh, website. You can find us on Twitter until Musk throws us off. We're on Facebook as a fan club and as a group. You can also get branded merchandise for the Paracast at theparacast.com shop the paracast.shop or even the paracast.store four different logos to choose from and we have the paracast plus at the paracast.plus for sign up instructions there we give you this show without the network ads better quality audio and the exclusive after the paracast podcast where don jeffries will be back and we'll have more to talk about all right to learn more, go to the Paracast.plus special offer and use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, for a 20% discount on five-year and lifetime subscriptions, the Paracast.plus. Don Jeffries, glad to meet you. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. I'm glad to meet you, too. Sounds like we have a lot in common. Uh, fascinating. Love hearing your stories. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>